0: This is Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger, powered by Postano by Sprinkler. On today's show, Brian sits down with Ty Vota, the CMO of the PGA Tour and Vice President of the International Golf Federation.
1: 2.2 million people tried golf for the first time in 2015, which is the second highest amount of people since 2000 when 2.4 million picked it up or, or tried the game at the peak of Tiger Woods popularity. Also,
0: Brian chats with Stephen Art, the head pro at the Plantation Course at Kapalua in Maui.
2: Now, with Sports Business Radio. Here's Brian Berger. Thanks for checking out the only show dedicated to covering the business side of sports. We're happy to be powered by our friends at Sprinkler. Follow them online at sprinkler.com. That's S-P-R-I-N-K-L-R dot com. Our featured guest this week, Ty Votaw, the chief marketing officer for the PGA Tour. He's also vice president of the International Golf Federation. Vota had a lot to do with the golf returning as an Olympic sport. Recently returned from Rio, we'll discuss Olympic golf as well as the overall state of golf with Ty Votaw on this week's show. Also, Stephen Arndt, he is the head professional at the plantation course at Kapalua in Maui. My daughter and I had the pleasure of playing that course a few weeks ago. They also host the PGA Tour of Champions event that kicks off the PGA Tour schedule each January. We'll catch up with him in our show as well. I'm joined by our executive producer Brian Griggs. Griggs, how are you? Doing great. Um exciting week is college
0: football starting, uh, NFL's right around the corner. Um I'm looking forward to it. Football's a good time of year and fall coming and you know Good summer. I know you were just coming back from uh, Hawaii. I had a good vacation over in a resort in Oregon here and, uh you know, rested and ready to rock.
2: Yeah. Fall is here. Football is here. But we're going to dig in on golf this week. I've wanted to do this for a while. Ever since I saw, you know, you see Nike Golf say we're not making equipment anymore. You see Adidas trying to sell tailor-made. Company like Dick Sporting Goods says they're not going to sell golf equipment anymore. Golfsmith Smith may be going bankrupt. What's going on with golf? And Ty Votaw is someone who, you know, has been the commissioner of the LPGA Tour. He's now the CMO with the PGA Tour. And as we said, vice president with the International Golf Federation, you're not going to find someone more well versed in the business of golf than Ty. So it's good to have him on the show this week. Let's tackle some headlines first, though. We haven't done a show since the Olympics concluded. Griggs, big winners at the Olympics included Michael Phelps, Usain Bolt, and Shannon Bryles, they were the big winners. Bryles picked up 631,000 new followers on Twitter and is now a household name.
0: Not bad at all, yeah. And, um, she was great. Uh, Phelps is always phenomenal to watch. And so is Usain Bolt. I mean, it's just, these guys' uh, events where they just dominate is fun to watch. It's just, I love watching Usain Bolt. You know, he's just, it's almost like he's not even trying. I mean he just he is
2: so fast and he's he's not going to get beat right now. It's and, crazy. And the thing about Phelps and Bolt, there were a lot of people that said, you know, they should have hung it up in London. You know, they're coming back one too many times like this isn't going to end well for either of them and it did. Yeah. So, for them to go out on that magical note was really incredible. Michael Phelps, you know, so much of the NBC coverage was his wife is there. He's married now. You've got Boomer Phelps, who is a huge star in his own right. The kid's like six months old. He has a bazillion followers on Instagram and Twitter now. Uh, Michael Phelps' face was was big. Yep. you know that's everywhere. It's a, is it a meme or a mem? Yeah, that, one of those that they <laughs> call it. And you know that face is everywhere now. Now there were some losers. With the Olympics as well, uh, NBC, they've paid $12 billion through 2032 on the Olympics. Their ratings dropped sharply. So in London, they had a total audience of 31.1 million viewers in primetime, but that dropped in Rio to 25.4 million. The younger demographic declined sharply in Rio as compared to London. The good news is NBC says a total of 100 million unique users access the digital coverage for the Rio game. So that's a 29% increase from London. So if you're NBC, look, I think the days of tape delaying things, you're just, it's ridiculous. You can't do that in the 24-7 cycle we live in with Twitter and Facebook. You're getting news as it happens. Yep. Tape delaying just doesn't work. The other thing I would say is this, and we talked about this with Carolyn Joyce a few weeks ago. I think you know Tokyo is going to be a good host. It's a major city. You've got to have major cities hosting and rotating, and I would do it like the NFL does with the Super Bowl, where you have four or five cities that rotate hosting the Super Bowl. That's what you've got to do with the Olympics. Is it Tokyo? Is it Los Angeles? Is it Beijing? Is it London? Make it in a major city, because when you go to Rio... When you go to Sochi, as we've discussed before, you're bankrupting these countries. They're not using the facilities again. Put it on a four or five city rotating cycle, and that's how you do the Olympics. But, you know, another... Rio came out of this okay, right? No huge security scandals. No one that we know of got Zika. You know, it was a lot to do about nothing. But still, they were not the ideal host for these games. Other losers... Around the Olympics, was there a bigger loser than Ryan Lochte? Uh, he, you know, admitted to being lying at gunpoint while in Rio. It's a well documented story, but as a result, he lost Speedo, Ralph Lauren, gentle hair removal, and mattress maker Airweave mm-hmm. as sponsors. Roughly a million dollars a year. That's a lot of money for a swimmer in an Olympic sport whose, you know, lifespan as a, as an Olympic athlete may be over. Um, USOC hasn't even weighed in yet with what the penalties are going to be for him. So, you know, lots of negative news around Ryan Lochte there. He was even mocked at the MTV VMA as when Jimmy Fallon came out dressed as Ryan Lochte with bleach blonde <laughs> hair. So he's become a punchline. Then the other big loser is uh, Hope Solo from the U.S. Women's National Team. She was suspended six months after her controversial comments on the Olympics and... Uh, her contract was terminated with the national team. So she called the Swedish players cowards after they beat the U.S. team. It's just, it it was kind of the ugly American Griggs. And, And I was embarrassed for the U.S. women's national team. I know some of the players on that team and, you know, I haven't spoken with them, but I can't imagine that they were not humiliated by what she said be a a good loser and they lost and Sweden was the better team that day and I thought Hope Solo really did a poor job of representing Team USA.
0: Yeah, and I mean, we talked about this before we went on air here, about uh, Team USA never really played a solid game the whole the whole uh olympics right so they I mean, just couldn't
2: it, get on track they just
0: couldn't get on track anyway so i think she was probably hope was probably just at the end of her line and like you know she knew they weren't gonna win and it doesn't excuse it uh, obviously it's not 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 good to do that and you know that you see these people like her and uh, ryan lochte where the olympics come around every four years they get this like one week of camera time you know quotes camera time and then they they do something like this and it's like ooh. There you go.
2: Well, it's immature behavior. And unfortunately for them, it's on a huge worldwide stage right. where everyone is watching. So it's not just, Oh, you know, hope solo is playing for the Seattle, you know, women's soccer league. No, this is for team USA. This is at the Olympics. When you have a press conference after you lose, your words are going to carry weight. And yeah. you know, what she said was, was not appropriate at all. And you know, I think I would call this uh, termination by the national team a, uh, it, it, she had this coming for a long time, sure. right? If yep. she had been someone who had no trouble in the past and had said that maybe they would have suspended her, but to terminate her contract, I think this was the last needle. You know, they, they, U.S. women's soccer was fed up with Hope Solo, yep. and this is the result of that. The last headline this week, the Oakland Raiders, could they soon be the Las Vegas Raiders? This has been discussed for a while, but now the Raiders have filed for the trademark las vegas raiders and the raiders the las vegas sands and majestic realty have zeroed in on a site and a 1.9 billion dollar budget for a proposed sixty five thousand seat football stadium in las vegas i think this would be a really good move by the raiders probably by the nfl now that the nhl is going to be in vegas playing at t-mobile arena like the, the ice has been broken, right? You've got pro sports yeah. being played in Las Vegas. I don't see a long-term future for the Raiders in Oakland because of the, uh, the stadium deal. They're not going to build a new stadium in Oakland. You're probably not going to get a new stadium anywhere in California. They had their chance to go to Los Angeles. Las Vegas has been starving for pro sports for you know, 10, 20 years at least. There's lots of money in Las Vegas. So I think it makes all kinds of sense for the Raiders to eventually move to Las Vegas. I think it's a great
0: fit, and like you said, it's growing uh, NHL and and moving up, and you got you've got money there. It's a great market. Um, question I was thinking about: Do you think they dome the stadium there because of the heat, like Arizona? Or do they it, do open? It, air?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think again, when you build these stadiums, you want to think as long term yeah. as possible. So I would say yes if mm-hmm. you can afford it. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure 1.9 billion, believe it or not, is going to get it done. i was thinking for that's low too. A yeah. retractable roof, um, but I think you have to think like that. The days of Taxpayers and even investors, private investors, saying, okay, I'm going to spend $2 billion on a stadium that's going to last 20 years. It's just not a good return on your investment. So you've got to make something that's going to last a little bit longer than that. Maybe try and get 30 years out of it Mm -hmm. and know that you're going to be on that site, in that community. Because think about all the things that sprout up around a stadium. I mean, you've got movie theaters and restaurants and all kinds of businesses. If that stadium goes under, think about... You know, the stadium in, in St. Louis where the Rams used to be before they moved to Los Angeles. All those businesses are going to suffer now yep. because there's not a full stadium during the NFL season. All right. Coming up next, Ty Votaw, who is the CMO of the PGA Tour. He's also a vice president with the International Golf Federation. We are going to dig into the business of golf. I've wanted to do this for a long time on this show and no one better than Ty to discuss the business of golf. That's coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Stay in the know at sportsbusinessradio.com. Podcasts, blogs, and more. Powered by Sprinkler. SBR will be right back. back At Sports Business Radio, we are proud to work with Sprinkler, the leader in connecting teams with their fans. Whether you want to put selfies on the Jumbotron, provide in-game Twitter voting, Create a dynamic social media lounge or activate a hashtag campaign on your website. Sprinkler can design an amazing social experience true to your brand. With Sprinkler, teams can take social media posts from fans and display them across any screen in any venue. The cutting edge visual displays empower fans to tell their stories in a new and compelling way. Teams like the New York Yankees, Dallas Cowboys, Boston Red Sox, L.A. Kings, and Cleveland Cavaliers all use Sprinkler to engage their fans and connect with them at the speed of social. On top of its many features, using the Sprinkler visual display platform can pay for itself through selling sponsorship. As an example, the L.A. Kings sell sponsor space to Delta and other clients and run the ads using Sprinkler. Want to learn more about bringing your brand, fans, and social data to life? Schedule a demo today. Go to sprinkler.com. That's S-P-R-I-N-K-L-R.com. If you're a fan of this podcast, you understand the real power of engaging your fans. And Sprinkler gets it better than anyone. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. My guest is Ty Votaw. He is the Chief Marketing Officer for the PGA Tour. He's also the Vice President of International Golf Federation. You can find the PGA Tour on Twitter at PGA Tour. Ty, how are you?
1: I'm great, Brian. Thank you. Hope you're well.
2: I'm doing well. Thanks for uh, coming to the Sports PR Summit this past May at the Players' Tribune as well. It was great to have your input on our panel there, and great to meet you in person. Now, you've been super busy. You just returned from Rio, where golf returned to the Olympics for the first time since 1904 for the men. Last time golf was in the Olympics for the women was 1900. Overall, how do you think everything went?
1: It was a special uh, two weeks. Uh, I I don't think when we went into it, if someone would have said um, you would have had six medal winners from six different countries, you'd have 41 countries participating, uh, 34 on the men and 34 countries on the women's side, and you'd have an Olympic scoring record set by a Russian woman golfer, Uh, we would have thought we took the goal of growing golf around the world as part of being in the Olympics and uh, and we think we're on our way to having that realized because of the performance of those two weeks it uh, was very special in terms of how the players reacted to the Olympic experience how the fans in, in Rio and the attendees of the Rio uh, Olympic Games um, participated and supported the uh, the two competitions it was a it was a very special. Two weeks for our sport and it was uh, an honor to be a part of
2: it you've been around golf a long time what would you say are the biggest differences for olympians and fans doing olympic golf versus playing a pga tour event or even a major
1: well i think it i think in some ways it it depends on what country you're in uh in in those countries where golf is fully developed And by that I mean, you know, five to eight to ten percent of the population plays golf. Those are primarily English-speaking countries like the United States and the UK and Canada and and Australia. In those kinds of countries, uh, you'll probably think that uh, golf is may not need the Olympics. Uh, It takes. people in those countries, along maybe even the United States, a long time to appreciate Olympic achievement over that of what they say week in and week out on the PGA Tour. Uh, but when you look at a country like Korea or India or um, even Japan, uh, where you have, you know, it's a golf-playing nation, no question, but Olympic achievement is the pinnacle of all athletic achievement. And golf in some of those countries are, are very is a very niche sport. And it's a sport where, if you know, obviously having someone from Korea win a gold medal on the women's side and China win a bronze medal, um, I think that that is in that in those countries going to help generate uh, an enormous amount of awareness and, and enthusiasm and fan following, and and we've exposed the sport to new eyeballs and to new. Uh, into new fans uh, in a much bigger way than we could have if golf wasn't an Olympic sport. And so from that perspective, we see that as, as uh, in Korea, for example, Olympic achievement is bigger uh, and more important than performance in a major championship in, in, in golf. And uh, there are a number of countries that you could say that about. But even in a country like the U.K., uh, which is a fully developed golf-playing nation, when Justin Rose... Uh, won his gold medal, uh, 42% of the, all households in the U.K. were tuned in to watch that telecast. Mm-hmm. So That doesn't happen every week on the PGA Tour uh, or in, on the European Tour in the U.K. That speaks to the power of the Olympics and what a sport being part of the Olympics can mean to increasing its profile around the world.
2: Last question on the Olympics. You found out in 2009 that golf would return. Your role with the International Golf Federation, you were leading this effort. You had to build a brand-new golf course in Rio. Maybe just describe a little bit all of the work. You basically started from from square one with bringing golf to Rio, right?
1: Well, uh, Rio had two golf courses um, in all of the city of Rio, uh, both private golf courses, Neither one of which uh, were either capable of or an ideal choice for uh, the Olympic Games, and so we had to we had to work with the reorganizing committee, the city of Rio, uh, a landowner uh, who who was able to um, put up the land for the golf course, and it it took us a lot longer than we would have uh, expected, certainly longer than it would to take to build a golf course in. Uh, a country like the United States or another golf-playing nation. Uh, But at the end of the day, uh, Gil Hance, uh, and with the help of Amy Alcott uh, on the women's side, designed a a phenomenal golf course. uh, And the the growing crew, the agronomy crew, that was headed up by Neil Cleverly, and a superintendent from Scotland, who worked day and night, 24-7, it seems, to get the golf course in the shape uh, that it was going into the Olympic Games. It was a phenomenal uh, uh, piece of property to work with, and you know you look at the score, 16 under par one for the men and 16 under par one for the women, being able to set a golf course up in such a way that produces the exact same kind of score for both men and women, I think is a testament to um, how good the condition of the golf course was, how good the design of the golf course was, and and the quality of play of the players.
2: So golf will be played in the 2020 Tokyo Games as well. I'm joined by Ty Votaw, the Chief Marketing Officer for the PGA Tour. He's also Vice President of International Golf Federation. Let's talk for a few minutes, Ty, about the overall state of golf. When we were in the green room at the Sports PR Summit, I I spoke with you for a few minutes. I told you that I have an 11-year-old daughter. She plays some golf, and I'm looking at young kids – getting into golf today, being introduced to golf. I had Chris Evert on my show two weeks ago, the tennis icon, and she said that she thinks with tennis and golf, participation for youth is down because kids today want to play team sports. It's a little easier with smaller fields or you lower the basket for basketball. They're social. What are your thoughts on the best ways to get kids today involved with an individual sport like golf?
1: Well, uh, I think that, that some of the numbers belie what, uh, what Chris may be suspecting. Um, you know, over the past 10 years, from 2005-06 school year to the 2014-15 school year, the number of state high schools offering girls competitive golf grew from about 8,800 schools to over 9,800 schools, an increase of about 11%. And, that, and the increase has led to a, a 13% increase in girls' participation in high school golf. Uh, over that 10-year period. And so uh, there, are, there are ways in which young people can both take up the game of golf while participating in a team kind of uh, setting or a more social setting. Uh, and there are four or five programs that the industry has focused on. Uh, PGA Junior Leagues is one that combines both the individual aspects of the game with a team setting. It's kind of like a little league for golf. But the LPGA, USGA, Girls Golf is another example. The First Tee is another example. Um, And I think that, you know, over time, uh, those programs who have seen – Drive, Chip, and Putt is another example, although it's more individual than team, obviously. But those four programs for young people who have the support of the significant golf organizations uh, in this country, the PGA Tour, the LPGA, USGA, and the PGA of America – are, are have had remarkable growth over the past three or four years because the industry those four organizations primarily have gotten behind those four programs and kind of pulled all their resources to help promote it and we're seeing good growth numbers in all of those sports but uh, you know 2.2 million people tried golf for the first time in 2015 hmm. which is the second highest amount of people since uh, 2000 when 2.4 million people uh, picked it up or, or tried the game at the peak of Tiger Woods popularity. And so uh, we have more women playing golf today than we did uh, five years ago, and we have uh, you know, more young – the number of youth, golf, youth golfers from ages 6 to 17 grew 25% from 2.4 million in 2011 to 3 million in 2015. So uh, we can always do more, but young people are, are taking up the
2: game. So that's really interesting, those numbers, because, you know, don't believe everything you read or hear, but people are like, well, with the decline of Tiger Woods, you know, people are playing golf less. And you're saying that 2015, more people played golf than they have since 2000. What do you attribute the increased numbers to?
1: Well, I, I, let me back up. I want to make sure you got the right 2.2 million people tried golf for the very first time okay. in 2015. So Got these it. are beginners. Um, but rounds played were up in 2015 as compared to 2014, and to this to this point in the year, uh, I think the latest stats we have is through June. Uh, we're up two or two and a half percent uh, of rounds played in 2016 to this point versus 2015, and so. while it's true that the number of golfers who have played one 18-hole round has gone down from one year to the next, we have uh, from 2015 to 2016. uh, We do have examples of very important categories like young people, uh, women, and uh, millennials who are contributing uh, a great deal to taking up the game and, uh, and enjoying the game. And there's also, uh, according to the National Golf Foundation, 37 million people, an all-time high, and, uh, 37 million people who are either interested or very interested in taking up the game. And so we have an attraction. Uh, we, we certainly don't have an attraction problem. There may there may be after a period of time that we have a retention issue, but it's not something that, that uh, if you look at some of these numbers uh the, the death of golf has been grossly exaggerated, and I would say that golf is evolving uh, over the last three or four years, and people are playing and ex- experiencing it in other ways, whether it's in nine-hole rounds, whether it's at top golf facilities, whether it's on the driving range, whether it's on simulators. We see the interest in golf and the engagement of golf on the participation level uh, evolving, not
2: declining. Yeah, it's interesting you bring up Top Golf because you know you talk about the millennials, and it's no secret that you know I always say with the millennials we live in a 140 character society. You know their attention span is is not great. So you look at some place like Top Golf, and you can go out there and still engage with the game of golf, but you don't have to play 18 holes. You're not spending four and a half five hours on the golf course. That's interesting and then I guess from your standpoint you would hope that potentially that translates the experience at top golf to getting people playing rounds on an actual golf course is that kind of the thinking? it certainly is
1: and it's and, and we have a strategic alliance with uh, top golf the PGA Tour and top golf uh, entered into it earlier this summer and uh, we were, We're encouraged by some of the early things that we're talking about and doing and the breadth and depth of reach of top golf facilities. They've got a growth strategy. Uh, We think that if we can transition people from a top golf experience into more traditional golf experiences, even if they're not 18-hole rounds, they're they're getting a lesson. They're going to a driving range. They're playing nine-hole rounds. They're playing a par-three course. We think those types of things... Uh, Top Golf presents a very nice opportunity to create a a pipeline to fill uh, people with uh, in terms of getting them into more traditional golf experiences.
2: Now, here's one of the challenges for you. Adidas wants to sell its golf club business, TaylorMade. Nike's shutting down its golf club business. Golfsmith is considering filing for bankruptcy. When you see news like that, from where you sit, what does that mean?
1: Well, I, I think that you know I can't speak to the business decisions that uh, some of those entities made, you know, tailor-made with with multiple product launches and and Nike Golf, who while they're getting out of the golf equipment business, they're staying in golf shoes and golf apparel. Um, and I think you know Dick Sporting Goods uh, over the past couple of years has you know the the golf uh, business for them has been. Uh, less volatile than it was a few years ago when TaylorMade had multiple product launches that that the marketplace had a hard time digesting in a given year and and created a lot of of excess inventory. Uh, I would say that you're, again, seeing golf evolving as opposed to uh, declining in that if rounds are up over the past two years and you've got people who are trying the game for the first time being the most since 2000, uh, as I said earlier, there's, an, there's not an attraction problem. It's really a question of how a golf equipment manufacturer can tailor their business strategy to what the golf consumer wants today and what they thought they wanted a couple of years ago with multiple product launches in a single year. Uh, what you are probably seeing is, again, an evolution of what the supply-demand Uh, equation is uh, on some of these products.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I think, you know, one of the things that I've heard loud and clear in this conversation is is retention. Like, how do you... People are playing golf. How do you retain them and, and get them to continue to play? And then, you know, let's face it, there are some great programs, as you've mentioned, but golf is not an inexpensive sport if you want to continue playing it on a regular basis. I think, you know, for the young people going back to that angle you know if you get on a team you're going to practice with your team and it's a, it's another great way for people to be introduced to the game of golf i want to talk about the the pga tour social media growth cuz that's huge it's really amazing what you guys are doing with your social media and i think you do such a great job because we only see so much of the tournament on tv there's so many other things taking place beyond what the broadcast can show us. And I think you guys do a really good job of bringing all of those other things to life. I love the live stream that I watched on Twitter last week. So maybe you could talk a little bit about the growth of social media and the PGA Tour.
1: Well, in terms of our social media platforms, whether it's, you know, Facebook or Twitter, or YouTube, or, or uh, Instagram, uh, we're up 38% in Facebook, we're up 49% forty nine percent in uh, in Twitter followers uh, up nineteen percent in in YouTube um, followers and the same with uh, and in in really uh, Instagram being our largest we're up one hundred and thirty percent year over year in those uh, but it's really more uh, it's less about followers we, we we want you know those number of followers, obviously, but it's also our engagements per post are up forty five percent year over year, which is really whether it's a like or a share, um, et cetera, those you know, if we post something and it, and it gets it, it gets that kind of engagement with likes or shares, uh, we're seeing that being up forty five percent over the previous year, and, and a lot of that relates to the fact that we are creating content outside of our telecasts, which are really we think our meals. Our, you know, when you watch a three-hour telecast on Saturday or Sunday on on our broadcast, or in the, or on, in the afternoon and on Thursday or Friday on Golf Channel, uh, that's our meals. But we think the the ability to create content in 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 uh, on mediums and, and in such a ways that are appropriate for that medium, because our, what we create for Facebook is very different than what we create for Twitter, and what we create for uh, Instagram is very different than what we we, we do for for Facebook, and so. We customize that content for that medium, and we 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 distribute it to our fans in ways in which they're used to consuming it on those platforms, and we customize uh, that content uh, in ways that are appropriate to that platform, and our fans are responding based on the growth numbers I just talked about.
2: And you've got some great personalities on the PGA Tour, uh, you know, some of my favorites, are uh, Ricky Fowler, Bubba Watson, Jordan Spieth, you know, some real young players. I love Jason Day. He's probably my favorite player to watch play golf. But, you know, as far as some of your videos and bringing personality to it, you've got some great assets there.
1: Well, and we, we learned, because golf is, is an all-day endeavor uh, relative to our, our four days of, of tournament competition, uh, and we only have you know a three-hour window in in uh, starting at you know three o'clock on either Golf Channel or NBC or CBS depending on the day. We created a product called PGA Tour Live that uh, focuses on feature groups that are teeing off in the morning uh, waves of tee times, and we've been able to customize those feature groups with some of those young players and those exciting players that you just mentioned, so that. And it's a subscription basis, so you you can subscribe. Although there's also, uh, you know, you download the PGA Tour Live app. You can there's an, a number of other uh, features beyond the paid subscription on that app that you can you can uh, consume. Uh, we've been extremely uh, uh, pleased with the number of downloads of the PGA Tour Live app, the number of subscriptions that uh, are being that are being uh, purchased uh, to get that that very unique featured group uh, content on Thursday and Friday mornings with those exciting players. And so just another example of us creating content uh, with the exciting and dynamic players that we have and putting it in front of our fans in ways and in, in in time frames that are convenient for them to consume it as opposed to making them change their schedules to watch our telecast. But we have also found that the engagement of the, our social media platforms and things like PGA Tour Live end up generating interest and desire to consume more of our, our our traditional linear television because our you know people are watching more of our telecasts week in and week out. We found in the past couple of years,
2: and the Twitter. Stream. I assume you're going to continue to do that, and you know I really like that. I think a lot of people have paid attention to the NFL deal. Um, I liked going through my Twitter feed last week and being able to watch the tournament right there on Twitter. It looked great. I mean, you know, you kind of think, well, what's this going to look like? Is there going to be buffering? Is it going to be grainy video? It looked like a TV.
1: Well, that's that product is basically PGA Tour Live. We did a promotion with uh, with. Twitter and Facebook live, uh, last week. And then this week at the Deutsche Bank championship to our first two playoff events where, uh, we were able to provide, uh, this service PGA tour live to our fans on those platforms. And we hope that that can generate, uh, some interest in, uh, completing a subscription, completing a, a greater consumption down the road, uh, and it's something that we're doing with those two, Facebook Live and Twitter, for the next for these two weeks of the first two playoff events. And uh, we'll see where it goes from there. But the feedback we've received, uh, the traffic that we've been able to uh, enjoy, has been very impressive over those two weeks.
2: Just a few minutes left with Ty Votaw, the Chief Marketing Officer for the PGA Tour. He's also a Vice President with the International Golf Federation. So, Ty, as the Chief Marketing Officer for the PGA Tour, If I were to ask you to give me two to three adjectives to describe the brand of the tour, what do you want me to think of or see when I watch the PGA Tour? How would you answer that?
1: Well, I think uh, you're going to see uh, players who are phenomenal athletes who play the game at the highest levels with an enthusiasm and an energy uh, and a competitive uh, streak that, uh, that you know, from a, any given week, the depth and breadth of talent on the PGA Tour is perhaps the deepest it's ever been. And having those guys uh, who have really stepped up, either the young players or the, the veteran players, I mean, you've seen a year in which Jason Day, your favorite player, has won three times. But then you've also had a player like Jim Furyk uh, become the first player in the history of the PGA Tour to shoot a 58. Amazing. Uh, That kind of competitive friction, uh, either between the young players and themselves or the young players and the veteran players or the veteran players knocking themselves out to try to make a Ryder Cup team, uh, we have something for everybody every single week. And uh, it's an exciting uh, time to be a fan of the PGA Tour. And it's certainly an exciting time. time to to be able to work at the PGA Tour and and enjoy these great players and these great athletes.
2: The final round of the British Open this year was one of the great events that I've ever watched on golf. Uh, You know, Stenson and Phil Mickelson just going back and forth. Any other year, Mickelson probably runs away with that tournament, but the two of them exchanging shot for shot was just, it was match play golf at its best.
1: Well, that's an example of two veteran players Putting on, um, you know, a clinic on. I think as I, as people, have, I think have said, those two those two scores of Henrik and Phil would have won, you know, something like 130 of 140 um, open championships. And so it uh, it was special to watch. And you had another example of that with Justin Rose and Henrik Stenson coming down the stretch at the right at the men's uh, Olympic golf competition. So. Um, and yesterday, you had you had some you know interesting players, and Patrick Reed winning coming down the stretch, being pushed by Ricky Fowler and Jason Day and Justin Thomas and and others that uh, that again prove the point that there's something for everybody every single week, whether it's young players or veteran players or a combination of the two.
2: Are there other leagues that you look at and say they're doing a really good job? Uh, you know, I like what they're doing. Maybe we take some of what they're doing because. Look, you know it's a copycat world we live in. Some people think of original ideas, but other people say that company is doing that well, and and let's implement that at our company.
1: Well, I, I think I think uh, we are, you know, we admire uh, the success of all of the other professional sports leagues here in the United States, primarily in terms of what they do and what and how they conduct themselves. I would say that you know there's. From a from a live streaming perspective, uh, Major League Baseball does a great job with their uh, Major League Baseball Advanced Media Group. That's why we partnered with them to, for PGA Tour Live. I think the NBA doing great, having their players and having the NBA create or have fans create their own content based on NBA um, kind of uh, aggregated uh, um, materials or, or, or curated materials and content uh, is something that we've also followed, and and you'll see more of that with our own player encouraging our own players to create their content in practice rounds on site during tournament week or in pro am rounds during tournament week. Uh, those are things we hadn't done before, and we're we're doing them now. And we saw what the NBA did in that regard, and we saw with live streaming what Major League Baseball did. Those are examples of things where uh, we wanted to do the same types of things with our with our sport. And they were great, uh, great pioneers and leaders to do that f- with us.
2: How far are we away from live streaming being more mainstream? Because, you know, I have Apple TV. I see HBO now. What they do is standalone and, and some of the other services that are out there. But it seems like we're not quite there yet. Maybe we're a few years away. What do you think?
1: Well, I don't think you're ever going to get away from traditional television That's that's going to reach... Large audiences, and and uh, we think that that our television partners do a phenomenal job in creating uh, compelling uh, television and, and compelling programming for their for their networks and their channel uh, week in and week out. As I said, those are the meals that I think our fans uh, consume, and what we're seeing with with live streaming and with our social media content creation, those are the those are the snacks that people have before they can really consume in a, in a uh, comprehensive way our weekly television. We see them as complementary one another. We don't see them as competitive to one another. And I think our research has, has proven that out, that if you're going to consume across social media platforms, you're more likely to also watch our telecasts. Um, and, we're on our, uh, and we our and we think that uh, that there has to be a combination of both.
2: Last question for you. Uh, I see you're not on Twitter. Are you going to join Twitter anytime or is that, you know, I've heard Charles Barkley say that I'm just not the right person for Twitter. Where do you stand with, uh, starting your own account? Because I'd love to see, you probably have some great behind the scenes access and I enjoy watching, you know, Adam Silver's posts when he's posting. He has great behind the scenes access. Uh, what do you think?
1: Uh, Stay tuned. It probably, it's probably uh, something that, that we've talked about uh, doing, but nothing definitive has been, uh, has been decided. We, we, we think the focus should be on our players and their social media as opposed to some suit in uh, Ponte Vedra Beach.
2: Alright, well I think you're more than some suit Ty Votot, Chief Marketing Officer for the PGA Tour, Vice President of the International Golf Federation You can find the PGA Tour on Twitter at PGA Tour Ty, thanks so much, I really enjoyed this conversation I appreciate it Thank you very much, always good to be with you You're listening to Sports Business Radio i will be right back podcast this show and any other past sbr episode at sportsbusinessradio.com back with more sbr powered by sprinkler after this hi it's brian Berger from sports business radio did you know that super bowl 50 broke the record for single day wi-fi usage And beat last year's record before halftime. And then nearly 80% of fans use their mobile phones during live sports events. Today's sports fans expect strong, fast mobile connections at their favorite stadiums. And that is why major venues around the country work with Boingo Wireless to manage their wireless networks. Boingo knows fans, and they know how to make a venue's vision for the connected fan experience a reality. Boingo designs, installs, manages, and monetizes wireless networks at university stadiums like K-State and the University. University of Houston, and major league venues like Chicago Soldier Field and Phillips Arena, home of the NBA's Atlanta Hawks. Boingo is the only company that can provide end-to-end wireless services so teams can focus on the big game, not on their network. Sports Business Radio has teamed up with Boingo to bring you monthly stadium stories focused on how technology is changing the business of sports. I will speak with Boingo and their partners, including athletic directors, venue owners, leading sports marketers, and industry influencers who will share valuable insights you'll want to tune in for. For more information on Boingo Wireless, visit boingo.com or email sports at boingo.com. This is Sports business radio my guest is Stephen arndt he is the head golf pro at the plantation course at kapalua you can find them on twitter instagram and online at golf at kapalua golf at kapalua com is their website i had the extreme pleasure of playing the plantation course just two weeks ago Stephen. it's my favorite course in the world it was great to meet you in person how are you
3: i'm great i'm great except for uh we're just kind of waiting for the uh for Madeline maybe to hit us uh, tonight. So we're getting a little rainfall, getting a little, uh, little little extra wind. But all in all, there's worse places to be than Maui.
2: Oh, my gosh. I did not want to come home. And, uh, you know, we played the plantation course. We ate at the Plantation House restaurant. You guys are always so hospitable. So I appreciate it. Let's start by talking about the plantation course. It has been home to the PGA Tours Tournament of Champions, for a long long time great place for the pga to start their schedule in january that course gets rave reviews the people who play it including jordan spieth and justin day and others rave about the hospitality there what makes that event so unique for the people of maui and for the people that uh work there at kapalua
3: well i think a lot of it has to do one with the aloha spirit of the islands uh you know, I think uh, just embracing and, and all of the visitors and all the guests that come here. Um, you know, we all know that it's a special place. Uh, we all love being here. Um, you know, and with the PGA Tour, it, it's kind of like the All-Star game. So all those guys come out here, and I think it's, uh, you know, they get to bring all their families. They bring the kids, and it's more of a family affair. Uh, and they kind of get a little, almost a little bit of a break from reality on um, the grind of, of playing kind of every day they get to come out here and they'll, they'll go down the cliff house and, and jump off the cliffs and, um, you know, whale season that's whale season. So, you know, they're all out there, you know, on the boats, uh, the Maui Jim boats out here. And the guys get to go out on there and, uh, Captain Tom who just recently retired, um, takes those guys, would always take those guys out and, you know, check out the whales spinner dolphins. I mean, it's just, it's just paradise. I mean, all the way around.
2: And just to clarify for our listeners, some of you may have heard that Hyundai is not associated with this tournament anymore, but the tournament is continuing, and everything's uh, going on as normal, right, Stephen?
3: That's correct. Uh, What's going to happen is we just had the Barclays last week that Patrick Reed won. Um, Barclays is moving on, um, and what's going to happen is that the Northern Trust, who's been kind of the sponsor more or less for the LA Open, They're going to take over that event, and then Hyundai, because they have a world headquarters down in uh, L.A., uh, they're going to move from here in West Maui down over to L.A., which kind of makes more sense for them in a lot of ways, because uh, then their charity dollars can stay within the community.
2: So let's talk about the two courses that are at Kapalua. There's the plantation course, which I had the opportunity to play, and then there's the bay course, which is a little bit closer there to the ocean. I love plantation because first it's where the pros play, which is always fun to play where the pros play. But second, the, the vista views there to me are second to none. You can see, like you said, during January. You may see a, a whale out there or uh you know, it it's just an amazing every hole seems to have an amazing view of the ocean.
3: Yeah, I you know, I've played golf. I've been pretty lucky to play twenty six golf courses in Ireland and uh, you know, played a lot of golf courses up and down the East and West Coast, and played some great golf courses. And I've never played a golf course that had an ocean view, eighteen holes all the way around. So we we never uh, we're the closest that we get is probably about a hundred feet away from the from the water, but we're never actually on the water here at the Plantation Course, the Bay. Um, actually, the fifth hole at the Bay Course is uh, the only hole on Maui where you actually hit over the water. So that's. Um, a little plug for the Bay Course because the Bay Course is a lot of fun. Uh, it's an old uh, 1975 Arnold Palmer design, so very classic. Uh, but again, going back to Plantation, you got 18 18 holes with an ocean view. I mean, that's, that's pretty magnificent.
2: No birdies on my round this year, but last year when I played the Bay Course, I did birdie the fifth hole. I'll just uh, birdies are a rare thing for me, Stephen. So when I get one, I have to I have to call them out. <laughs>
3: Well, Brian, you know, uh, my dad, uh, I'm a fourth-generation PGA golf professional, and as my dad would say, there's a reason why him and I sell socks and (laughs) shop.
2: (laughs) I always tell people if I had to play play, uh, pro golf for a living, I'd be naked, hungry, and starving. So,
3: <laughs> it's, you do, you're probably doing a lot of sleeping in your car. Exactly,
2: <laughs> golf is a uh, it's a great, great sport, and I certainly love playing there more than anywhere. But uh, I'm by no means a a pro. So, in addition to the two great courses you have there, the Plantation Course and the Bay Course, you also have the Academy. Tell people what they can do when they come to Maui if they want to brush up on their game. How did the uh, Academy work?
3: Well, the Kapalua Golf Academy is a state-of-the-art facility. Uh, Absolutely beautiful. And, and again, you got uh, beautiful views up there of Honolulu Bay. Um, Ben Hongo is the director of instruction down there. And then you got two great teachers down there, and uh, and Todd O'Neill and Bradley Bowen. Um, You know, again, very accessible. Uh, Just walk through the doors. The the great staff down there will greet you and and take care of you and do whatever they can do to, to knock a couple strokes off your game.
2: Yeah, it's it's a beautiful facility and it's really it's interesting. I I come to Maui often and uh stay on that end of the island and to see the changes at the academy and how it's grown and the facilities have grown. It's been really fun to watch. Um in addition to the golf courses and the academy, you know, a lot of courses I've been to, food is an afterthought. It's not an afterthought in Kapalua. You've got the Plantation House restaurant which is one of my favorite restaurants, my daughter and I always end our trip there, and we did so again uh, a few weeks ago and then you've got the pineapple grill too, which is just fantastic so you know maybe you can tell our listeners a little bit about those two amazing places to uh dine either you know after your round of golf or just uh on your own
3: yeah, I think they're both uh they're both great restaurants uh they're both well uh well managed and again you know the staff is very uh you know, very welcoming, and there's a great aloha spirit on either one. Uh, Jojo Vasquez, who's the head chef um, at the Plantation House, just puts together wonderful dinners. Uh, last Friday of every month, they do a beats and eats uh, type of deal. That they can bring in a DJ and brings a little bit uh, younger younger blood and um, kind of a fun atmosphere into into the into the Plantation House. Um, and then down at the Pineapple Grill, which uh, has just been. Uh, We've been going through some changes down there over the course of the last couple months. And uh, with Troon um, coming over, you know, Troon's been managing uh, both the golf courses now since about 08. Um, Again, now Troon has just taken over Pineapple Grill. And uh, they've really done a nice job of transitioning and uh, serving some great food. You know, changing up the menu a little bit. Lots of good fish, lots of fresh fish on the menu. Um, Just all the way around, just a, a beautiful... You can't go wrong either one. You got beautiful settings looking over, you know, Maui. So all in all, you can't. You're not going to get a bad view wherever you sit.
2: Well, I don't know if you do this down at Pineapple Girl, but at Plantation House, I'm going to give everyone an off-menu item that you have to try. And I love off-menu items. Uh, one of your servers introduced us to this uh, a few years ago: sliced pineapple, and then it's got the dip that's like sour cream and cinnamon. And my oh, yeah. daughter loves it. I love it. It's such a refreshing snack. And, you know, every time we come in now, we're asking for that.
3: You know, again, uh, anything that you ask for. Uh, the tour players also kind of will do the same thing when they come in here. We put together a really nice spread for them as well. And, uh, you know, anything that we can do, uh, restaurant, golf wise whatever we can do to accommodate to make your stay is, uh, as fun as possible. And so you guys, uh, so everybody can go back home and tell their friends how wonderful Kapalua is. So before I we're let gonna you do, we're gonna do a
2: point. Before I let you go, uh Ty Votaw is also on our show this week and we just got done speaking with him. He's with the PGA Tour, the CMO, about the game of golf and he gave us a bunch of terrific uh, statistics around involvement and things like that. As far as your courses at Kappa Lua, uh give us an idea of you know, if, if I'm planning a trip and I want to come to Maui and I want to make sure I get a tea time and everything, are there certain times of the year that are better to come and, and factor the weather in as well? Obviously, we know you've got the tournament to lead off the year in January, but if I'm planning a trip and I want to come play the plantation or the bay course, give me some good times of year to, to do that.
3: There's never a bad time. Uh, what you're going to find is that there are certainly busier times than others. So January, February, March, when, uh, when people are struggling with the snow and want to get out of the get out of the frozen tundras wherever they're at, um, those are our busier months: uh, January, February, March. Those are really busy. Uh, golf courses are pretty full on both sides there. Um, but again, we're going to be able to find room for you one way or another. Um, you know, May, June, uh, the summer months are great. Uh, my favorite's probably October, November. Um, you know, because then we start to get, uh, the whales start kind of migrating this way from Alaska. Um, and it was just a fun energy when the whales come. Everybody's excited for them. Uh, the waves get a little bit bigger. Uh, the temperature goes a little bit, goes, you know, gets down into the lower 80s as opposed to the high 80s. I know I'm being spoiled. Uh, but we (laughs) pretty much always stay, we pretty much always stay in the, the low to high 80s. So, uh, you know, there's really never a bad time. I mean, you're, we do, of course, on the west side get a little bit more rain than maybe uh, than the other side. But you know, we also have the cooler temperatures. Um, we have the better beaches up this way: uh, Fleming Beach, uh, Honolulu Bay, great snorkel spots, Napili Bay, Kapalua Bay. I mean, you got some of the best beaches in the world. You know, within walking distance. So there's really never a bad time. And then, as you were talking about junior golf, uh, both the both the plantation course and the bay course, what we do is after two thirty. Um, juniors are complimentary with a paying adult, you know, so that's that's what we want to do to, uh, to try to grow the game and try to get some kids out here, too, you know, because we know that the kids are the future of golf, and uh, we want them out here, and it's great to have guys like uh, Ricky Fowler and Jordan Spieth out there on, on tour paving the way for those kids.
2: Well, it's great that you do that. We talked about that with Ty Votaw and getting youth involved. You know, what we see a lot is – the youth of today seem to be gravitating towards the team sports instead of individual sports like golf and tennis. So I think that's a great thing that you do there. And, you know, I thank you again for allowing my daughter to come out with me. And uh, she hit a few shots and, and she's an aspiring golfer. She's 11 years old. So uh, I think it's great because, uh, you know, promoting the game to the youngsters who are going to be the players of tomorrow is is really important.
3: And you got such a wonderful talent pool out there in the world. Uh, you look at the uh, AJGA, or you look at your local qualifiers, or you know, all the way around across not not only in, in America, but just look across the globe. I mean, kids are just shooting unbelievable scores these days. And you know, it's uh, you know, golf is just to me obviously the greatest game in the world. You know, it's 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 about being outside. It's about building relationships um it's you you certainly understand a lot about somebody just the way that they perform and act on the golf course and just attitude wise um i think you learn a lot about yourself uh, i think you learn a lot about others and it's just it's just always a special treat to be outside i knew i grew up um idolizing my dad and just always wanting to golf with my dad hmm. uh, and i know it was the same all all the way around for my dad with my grandfather and the same thing with my grandfather to my to my great-grandfather so to me nothing more wonderful than seeing fathers and sons or uh, mothers and daughters being out on the golf course i mean that's 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 a special time
2: it is special and you know already my daughter and i will remember these rounds of golf that we're playing now especially at wonderful courses like uh, the plantation course our entire life so thank you again for that speaking of incredible scores I've heard for years that Jim Furyk lives there in Kapalua. He shot a 58 this year. That's an incredible score. Uh, do you ever see Furyk around other than when he comes in and plays in the Tournament of Champions?
3: Uh, you know, I've, uh, I've been out here for a little bit more than two years. Uh, Jim does own property out here. Um, I've actually, I've never actually never met him. So uh, no, I haven't actually seen him. Um, but of course, when we get all the players. We Trevino likes to come out um, in December, and uh, we definitely see a lot of celebrities. We see a lot of athletes, NBA players, NFL players. Um, you know, it's it's really pretty cool. I mean, this is again, it's paradise. You know, people want to come out here. You know, uh, have a nice cocktail on, on on one of the beautiful beaches and stare off into the abyss. I mean, we got Molokai. I'm staring at Molokai right now. We got one eye off off to my left. I mean, it's just. Again, it's just one of the most beautiful places in the world. I've been very fortunate to, to to see a lot of the world. And, again, I mean, there's no greater spot than West Maui, i got to tell you that.
2: So if you go play Kapalua, like we discussed earlier in the conversation, I think the signature hole on the Bay course is the fifth hole where you hit it over the ocean. I love the 18th hole at Plantation course where you can boom a drive, Play it to the right, it runs down the hill, and it's a par 5, and I think it's one of the best finishing holes of any course I've ever played. It's beautiful, and, you know, whenever I watch the uh, Tournament of Champions on TV, I just, I love watching to see how they hit it. That's the other part that's fun about the plantation course is seeing how the pros play their shots in, in comparison to how I play my shots, there's usually a big, <laughs> usually a big difference. But I tell you, on 18, you feel like a big hitter. If you can hit it pretty good to the right, it rolls for a while. And then you've got that decision. Do I go for the green in two? Or, you know, do I lay up? Of course I laid up because I couldn't, I couldn't get there in two, but, uh, it's such a great finishing hole. Steven, thank you so much for hosting us a few weeks ago. You can go to, uh, golf at Kapalua.com. You can follow them on Twitter and Instagram at golf at Kapalua.com. Stephen Arndt, who is the head pro at the plantation course, go say hello to him when you're in Maui and you go play Kapalua. Thank you, Steven.
3: Aloha, Brian. Thanks so much for your time. Aloha. Thanks for coming out and visiting us. Aloha, mahalo. Yes. Everybody take care.
2: Yes, we'll see you soon. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right
4: back. Hello, everyone. Mark King here, president of Adidas Group North America. One of the most inspiring parts of my job is the conversations I have every day with extraordinary people who are shaping the sports landscape. I talk to athletes, league executives, athletic directors, and agents, and now I'm bringing these conversations to you through my new podcast series, Extraordinary Happens, Competing in Sports, Business, and Life. This series dives deeper into what inspires the people who are leading change in sport, both on and off the field. I want to know what makes them tick and uncover how they're challenging convention to make extraordinary things happen for their teams, their businesses, and themselves. And I want to share those stories and insights with you. Tune in to my bi-weekly episodes of Extraordinary Happens on iTunes and Stitcher. And remember, get out there, challenge each other, lead change, and make Extraordinary Happen.
2: Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. We are back to wrap up this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks to Ty Votal with the PGA Tour. Thanks to Stephen Arndt with Coppa Lewis Plantation Course. Thanks to our show staff, Brian Griggs and Josh Blank. Thanks to our friends at Sprinkler for powering Sports Business Radio. Follow them online at sprinkler.com. That's S-P-R-I-N-K-L-R dot com. Thanks to our friends at Boingo Wireless for powering our Sports Business Radio Roadshow. Follow them online at boingo.com or on Twitter at boingo. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast. Just go to iTunes, type in Sports Business Radio. We're rated in the top 100 business news podcasts. You can also find our show on Audioboom at sportsbusinessradio.com via TuneIn Radio and the Stitcher app. Follow me on Twitter at SB Radio. Our Twitter feed was named to the top 50 sports business must follows on Twitter by Forbes for 2015. So in studio right before she starts school and fresh off our trip to Maui is my daughter Sophia. Sophia, how do you like playing the plantation course at Kapalua?
0: It was really fun.
2: Yeah, you made some good putts there, didn't you? Uh Uh-huh. And what was your favorite part of the course? Was it the golf or was it the pineapples with sour cream and cinnamon dip at the end?
0: Neither. I liked the kittens.
2: Oh, that's right. We saw three kittens on the course at Coppa So you never know. When you're playing the plantation course, you might run into some kittens, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And then we enjoyed dinner at the Plantation House restaurant on our last night, which is also part of the Plantation course. Uh, what else did you like about uh, playing golf?
0: I don't know. It was just really fun.
2: Yeah, we had a good time together, didn't we? And mm-hmm. we saw some really good views of the ocean, didn't we?
0: Yeah.
2: And uh, I will say this now. I hope I don't get in trouble. I hope we're never banned from Kapalua. But my daughter did drive the cart for one or two holes, and and I think you like that as well, right?
0: I'm not a bad driver, so...
2: Well, and the cart was returned in working condition, no damage.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's not like I ran it off a cliff.
2: No, thank God. <laughs> That's good. Or else we wouldn't be here. Hey, All yeah. right, go back. Tell me about this pineapple thing. That intrigued me. Oh, yeah. So Dude, What is that? You know, I'm a big off-menu guy, yeah. and when you go to places, you always ask, you know... Give me some off menu items that, that you can make. So when we were at the plantation house, we actually, after our round of golf, we went into the kind of. This the, was a
4: couple of years ago.
2: Yeah. Into the lunch area. So not the big restaurant. Right. And Sophia said that she wanted some pineapple slices. When we're in Hawaii, we got to yeah. have pineapples. So they brought out pineapples, but they also brought out like this dip and it's sour cream and it's got cinnamon in it. And then you dip your pineapples in it, and it, it sounds is,
0: really weird, but it's good. Oh, Man, I, I'm, that sounds really good.
2: Yeah, it's very, very good, and it's something that we ask for anytime we go there. And the food at the Plantation House Restaurant is phenomenal. So you know, great view. We watch the sunset. It's always our uh, tradition to eat there on the last night. But good trip, right, Sophia? Yeah. Sophia, uh, do you want people to follow you on Instagram? What's your What's your Instagram? You tell. It's Sophia Scotty 2005. So if you want to see some of uh, our adventures, I mean, look, if Boomer Phelps, Michael Phelps kid can get like 600,000 followers, let's throw Sophia Berger a few followers on Instagram at Sophia Scotty 2005. Now it is a private account. So uh, dad and Sophia will have to uh, make sure that you're on the up and up. But uh, if you are, then you can follow sophia on instagram at sophia scotty that's s-c-o-t-t-y 2005 anything else that you have to add to the show this week sophia not really good luck with the school year good luck with uh, soccer coming up you're going to be playing soccer right i already am yeah so uh maybe some goalie for you this year maybe okay
0: take over hope solo spot
2: that's right <laughs> watch out hope solo here comes sophia berger All right, for Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is David Stern. He's the Commissioner of the NBA.
1: It is always a pleasure, Brian.
2: Bill Hancock. He's the Executive Director of the Bowl Championship Series. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Mark, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. My guest is Mickey Loomis. He's the Executive Vice President and General Manager of the World Champion New Orleans Saints. Pleasure to be with you guys. Mr. Allen, thanks for joining me. Thank you. My guest is Mark Emmert. He's the President of the NCAA. Oh, happy to join you. My pleasure. My guest is Eric Folster. He's the head coach of the Miami Heat. Brian, appreciate it. Glad to, glad to be on the show. Mr. Nicholas, it's an honor to have you on Sports Business Radio. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Brian. Visit sportsbusinessradio.com. And subscribe to our free iTunes podcast. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And stay connected to the business side of sports. Only
1: with Sports Business Radio.